Hello, everybody. And we are so happy to be here with you today, and Happy New Year. And thank you, Janet Lee. Thank you for uh, that wonderful array of superconducting music. So, here we are, and I hope you're all getting a clear and powerful, potent sound out there, because we have a lot to share with you today on this new day of the year 2012. All right, so we're going to be talking first about <clears throat> the birth of Jesus Christ. We really didn't get to finish up the, the message last week, so we want to finish that up. We've had different requests for that, and then uh, we'll just see where it goes from there. But that is a pretty amazing subject, and um, it, uh, it alone could keep us very, very busy. All right? Now, I'd like to, um, I'd like to read you something that um, I wrote, um, you know, uh, some time ago. In fact, um, July 17th, 2009. 2009, and this is, um, you know, 2012 now. So it's been a while. And uh, it's had um, 340 uh, views uh, from people that have read it. And, and uh, it, it goes like this. It's, uh, it's called The Story Not Told. Some people say I am a visionary. And maybe I am. But what does the weather matter? If I were to let my physical senses or my counter-senses alone lead me, my oceans would be but ponds of water. My mountains, tall and grand, would be but pebbles. Through the colored bubbles of my thoughts, I may fill the skyways. Yet without my beloved Lord, I am a grass stain and a wet spot of mildew. The story not told is my seership of the all that my eyes see of the past that was, that is, and of the future that comes. Will you shine with the counsel of the band of light? Come to my street where every lamppost is a wise and shining one. Come to my house. I will serve you manna from those, those chefs, those chief thoughts, which dwell in the swift quickenings of the ultimate of the ultimate innermost being. Churn the cream that the butter may form, for why should you serve dry toast? Who will believe our report, and to whom will the arm of the Lord be revealed? That was written in Isaiah fifty one or fifty three one. And you know how that that applies today, and I haven't quite read it all. <clears throat> But some of these things that I am writing right now and that I am ministering on uh, really uh, go with, with that particular uh, scripture, who will believe our report. I would like to welcome all of you listeners today to, uh, after this broadcast, uh, as soon as it's convenient, to get on to the new blog that I put on today, Tesla 3. And uh, I will tell you, that you are in for a real uh, eyebrow brow razor. 
there is some incredible information in that uh, Tesla number three blog. And it's a lot of information. It's quite lengthy. So um, one of the things I want to make a point of when talking about these blogs, um, I'm not satisfied with the number of people that are coming on and making a uh, comment. Now, um, uh, the last blog, uh, you know, only had about, uh, so far has about 13 comments. Now, it's had a lot more, about 150 people view it, but only 13 comments. And um, uh, I, I really do look at the, at the people that view it because these are, you know, these are the people that have made an expression. And I really feel it's important that our people uh, who want these kind of teachings that they get onto the blog and just say something. Just say, hey, I, I love this, give me more, or I'm here, I'm standing by, I'm listening, uh, or praise God for this word, anything, just to show that, that you are included in the in the standby of people. And uh, so this next one, which is going to be number four, uh, in which I'm going to try to finish out the information uh, on the fourth uh, force, um, uh, not fourth, but pardon me, but the fifth force. Um, that one, uh, I'm just not going to put on until we start getting, you know, more people signing up on the blogs uh, and, and you know, doing a comment to show that, that they are really interested. Uh, you know, for all the hours and hours that I put into making those blogs, uh, it only takes you a diddle of time just to get on and say, bless the name of God, this is great, uh, I'm really stirred, I'm interested. Just, uh, we're not asking you to have to make a big, long confession or a big, long, uh, 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 some kind of fill. Um, if you do have something of God that takes a lot of writing, that's okay too. But uh, otherwise, just something simple, it w will do. So uh, I just want to tell you, though, about that, that blog. <laughs> you will want to read it. You will want to get onto it. But please don't do it now because this teaching is going to have some exceptionally extraordinary things that you will not want to miss. So let's go on with this, uh, with this um, uh, you know, uh, blog that I was reading from uh, July 17, 2009. All right. Um, I am on a spiritual archaeological expose whereby to show you a manifestorium as to why the Bible says, I will call my son out of Egypt. Compare Hosea 11.1, 1, that you may be able to ride upon the high places of the earth. Compare Isaiah 58.13, I will open the pearled gates of the city not made with hands. In the name of Yahweh, I will be a spring of joy, conduit to your soul. Strangers will gawk when the, when the doves fly to your windows to look upon your amazing transformation. The power to enlarge and magnify the crumb or the flake to the aleph of a thousand sensations is but a breeze through a pore in the wall. Friends, if you cannot come to me, I will find a way to come to you, even if I need to walk with a pack on my shoulder. An angel piper calls me, and his bidding I will not deny. What is it? Why, it's T-T-T-T. What do you have to say to me? The magnitude of the sevenfold light be upon you, that the sun no longer go down on the shining you need to do. 
the power of love heal the sick who suffer and feed the human masses who are spiritually malnourished. And it's interesting that this particular blog came up because the revelation on TTT comes up again in this new blog that I'm telling you about. And that's why I say you will not want to miss it. Last week we read you some things from out of the um, the Star Eyes that is an absolutely incredible uh, chapter and it will make quite uh, quite a good sized book because it is um, it's just <laughs> really really full of stuff I mean is in, in, is incredibly full I wanted to read you some things I thought you'd find interesting uh, this has to do with um, sort of flight language. And uh, it's just got some uh, interesting things here that uh, should stir you up. And I'm just taking excerpts, okay? So I'm not trying to be real uh, smooth and sentence finishing. Find the coordinates. The power is with you. The sheen of acceleration shall guide you. Paradise is ahead. Manifest log. The date is seven specters minus four odds and 200 years. The particle disassimilator is jammed. The frequency wave perturber is in malfunction. The transcommissioning system of the BioC computer network is out of phase. Less than ten laser arcs ahead, the enemy is expecting us and waits. I turned on the ionic scanner. I must find a way to bypass the main system. I don't believe... I don't believe that I can miss finding a way. I think for a good reason that I want to connect my sensors to the cortex of my frontal lobe and by this way uh, put into the scanner the stimulations of my predicament. So I begin to phototransition mental chemistry so as to ground in my neurons. Suddenly the ionic uh, scanner went into action. Instantly I could see that we were headed directly into a vortex of the enemy's cross-magnetic dematerializing beams. It was amazing to me that the mantis people were so well set in these fringes of the remote. One thing was sure, they knew we were here, and they planned to destroy us before we could reach Artura. The mantis people were called by the Beemores, the Be-Not people. Be done, prepare us for dematerialization mode. Yes, your lordship. Yes, your ownership. I'm gauging in on the mantis. Dematerializing beams. I'll soon have their frequencies. Make sure all things are saved into the compo consigner. Yes, I am in the process. The crew understood that there was more than one approach to, to dematerialization and reticulation. The master plan was to self-dematerialize first. However, by honing in to the same frequency dematerializations, which is also used destructively, they could usefully convey it to heighten the, the conversion of reticular and render such frequencies totally harmless. The emphasis here on same or destructive uh, identified uh, to the frequency required. This related to uh, the dematerialization uh, and connected to the phase clause. 
So, it was understood every measure of atomic sizing and every figuration must be saved or fed into the compo consigner. Otherwise, when reticulation occurred, whatever items, structures, or persons were not fed into the co-consigner would be left out of the rematerialization, and that could spell disaster for everybody. Now let's read some more stuff. In the coming of time when satellite cities shall dot the heavens of earth, when a thousand seasons have come and gone, and time has turned page after page of history, it shall be that the spotlight of humankind's curiosity shall be turned in full excitement to the cosmos. The ears of the electroscope shall hear from the spacey sound. Pulse, 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 minus, minus, pulse, pulse, pulse. Write down the frequencies, decipher the cold. Pinpoint the longitude and latitude. The light is green, the sky is blue, the suns are bright. The way is clear, or is it? The schemes of great wars rage, technology against technology, rays against rays, beams against beams, gene culture culture against gene, gene culture, zip bombs, melting flesh but leaving structures untouched, huddle in a sudden place, and let the wise men and the women of diversified knowledge gather. Their spaceship made ready. It is called the Noah. It shall ride the seas of the sky to new paradise. Far away from the resounding curse of war's death, in their eyes shines a holy manifest destiny. In their computer intercom, the voice of the holy manifest speaks. You shall take this holy manifest to this cosmos. Rise, you shining stars, rise. Wow. Exciting stuff, isn't it? Exciting stuff. A sudden series of flashes erupted. A clap of sound like the breaking of sonic barriers, but more. I felt a rapid pulsating vibration. The acceleration was shocking. The first barriers were passed. I was at the moment of inversion, then suddenly a whizzing calm. I boomed, I flashed, I soared as I ro rose, uh, rose into the golden blue. Then I crossed circuit from arc to arc as dazzling scarlet streams, endlessly miles long, whipped alongside every jaunt. I was alive. I was alive. I felt quivers of joy and deep gratitude. I needed not to ask again, do you hear me? Wow. Do you hear me, space pilot and spaceship locked together in a voyage of quest? Pass of the high lanes charted by angels, circuits unknown to unvalored mortals. Anointed one, morning star, son of the father of lights, founder of this passage, show me the holy wavelengths, show me the yonder portals. Oh, precious one, do you hear me? I waited, but no answer came. I came, I cannot go back. And I cannot stay forever in a holding position. I must go on. My blood surged. I could hear the, st the sturdy, unrelenting beat of my heart throbbing in my ears. I geared myself to the commitment. I closed my eyes, removed the motivator from the automatic control, and turned to my personal spirit sensing as though it was an act of ignition. And then suddenly I zoomed. That's just a little touch of some of the Star Rise information that one of these days we'll get that huge book, which is a chapter in the Holy Manifest. 
one day we will get it out, and uh, it will be an exciting time. Uh, no question about that. Okay. All right. Now, <clears throat> turn with me to the book of St. Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But when he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, there are things that happen in life that by ever title of expression that refers to those things happening, it is deemed to be a lawbreaker, a lawbreaker of the laws of God. It is deemed to be not holy. It is deemed to be sensual, evil, and an act of breaking the law. And in those days, the act of breaking a particular kind of law of adultery could end up with death by the stoning. So to the mass crowds, to the mass groups of people that might have studied this particular incident or considered it. What is very, very noteworthy here is that what the masses would decide was the verdict. And what seemed to be apparently the verdict, in every which way you would look at it, even Joseph had his questions and his doubts. But when the Holy Spirit spoke, the Holy Spirit said, by an angel who appeared in a dream. Now, the process of an angel appearing in a dream is something quite different than just a regular, uh, normal kind of dream. This is a dream that is initiated by a photo transition of an angel into the mind of a person while they are in the sleep mode. No doubt going through the, you know, the rapid eye sleep. And the angel is putting the message just as if he was speaking it face to face with Joseph, He's, he is meeting him in the dream world and talking to him in the dream world and saying to him, because the angel appeared to him, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Now the angel would not have said fear not unless Joseph did have some fear. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to have said or mentioned the word fear. 
So Joseph actually had fear. He had fear that this information could get out and his standing in society could be tarnished, uh, that there could still end up being a stoning of Mary and maybe even a stoning of him for helping her to break the law. But the angel appearing to him in the dream said, Do not be afraid. Do not have fear. Fear not to take Mary, thy wife. And then he said something incredible. Because by this time, it was known that Mary was pregnant. Then he said, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Not even the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Ghost. And that in itself is a different and higher revelation than if it said of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit represents a general outpouring. But the Holy Ghost represents a particular kind of, of, out, of outpouring. And uh, it, it falls into the category of a personification. And so now he said, this pregnancy has been caused, is, is conceived in her, and is of the Holy Ghost. Now, that is absolutely astounding. And when Joseph heard this word, and he knew it was from God, he was satisfied in himself that this was a divine moment in the history of his life. That this was a, a requisition that was deeming the pregnancy of Mary to not be adultery, to not be from some flimsy affair that she had with some passing stranger, but something that was done most unseemingly and most unlikely in the sense of what people reckon to be everyday, regular life affairs. And I'm not talking using the word affair to mean extramarital affair, but I'm talking about just the affairs of life. And so, I really want to emphasize this. There are times that people have put blame on individuals and ministries for something that has the appearance in their mind as being extraordinarily incorrect, extraordinarily against the divine divineness and the word of the Bible. And people have made judgments. And it is no wonder that the Lord said during his ministry on earth, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. If you judge somebody and you take it upon yourself that just by the basis of what you've heard, just by the basis of what you think, that that person is condemned, and you do not know the spiritual factors, and you do not know the, the historical factors, then you could be making the mistake of your lifetime. 
you could be zooming in on something that had a divine privilege and that was immune from the natural laws. And that's what Mary was. She was immune from the natural laws. Not that she broke any of the natural laws, but the Bible says to be careful not to even show the appearance of evil. So in that sense, her being pregnant and not married took on the scheme of the appearance of having broken the law. But this divine revelation overrode her being in the situation of seemingly taking on the appearance of breaking the law. Because it said, this is of the Holy Ghost. It is solved. It is, it is, it is deemed uh, acceptable to God, period. There is no debate. There is no argument. There is no court case. It is settled. And Joseph understood that, and he accepted that. And after all, he was the kind of a person that always wanted to do what was right. Now, the, the angel said in the dream to Joseph, and she shall bring forth a son. It was a prophecy. She was pregnant. They didn't have any kind of you know, equipment like ultrasound to go and test to see what the child was going to be. But the angel already knew that this divine child that was to come forth was a boy. It was a son. And he wasn't just any son. It says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. I want to deal with something that does not fall in the ritual of academic circuits. I want to show you something on this thing about the name because the name is also a representation of a person or a personification. And a name can actually represent the descriptive of a person's life. So now we have by the angel, thou shalt call his name Jesus for or because a reason. He shall save his people from their sins. And the word Jesus, of course, means Savior. So his name was to be called Jesus. Is that it? <clears throat> Point blank, period. No, it's not. It is not it. <clears throat> so we're going to get into this it that we're talking about. Because this is going to be quite the subject. All right, let's read a little further down. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, 
and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now, wait a minute. One scripture says his name is to be called Emmanuel. The other scripture says his name is to be called Jesus. The name Jesus means Savior. The name Emmanuel means God is with us. Now, both of those names are more than just fashionable names. They are names that describe the ministry of the person. But they are really in two different leagues. You can be a savior and you can be an anointed, Jesus Christ, Christ being anointed. But the next one, which he was not named at that moment by that angel, but it did refer to something that was prophesied by a great prophet in the past. His name would be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us, or God with us. And that is a chief statement, a major statement, escalating the entity, this son of Mary, into the rank of being God. And so that is two different examples. Now, don't lose your place in Matthew, but let's just um, go over to Isaiah chapter 9. <clears throat> and let's look at verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto, and unto us is given, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Now here's a third name. We've got Jesus Christ. We've got Emmanuel. Now we've got his name is to be called Wonderful. That's three different names. Now, at what point would that wonderful come into circuit, come into actua actuation? At what point would Emmanuel come into actuation? At what point would Jesus Christ come into actuation? And how could there be three different names? And why? But that's not the end of it. Comma, this is a list. His name's also going to be called Counselor. Comma, his name's also going to be called the Mighty God, differentiating him from other gods. His name is also going to be called the Everlasting Father. His name is also going to be called the Prince of Peace. So now we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven names. Seven names. Now let's, let's read some more. Verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom 
to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And the Lord sent sent a word into Jacob, and it hath lighted upon Israel. Now when a person looks at the scripture, and you say, did this happen when Jesus was upon earth? No, it did not. It did not happen. He didn't take on the government. But other people, when they were reading the scriptures and they were looking for the Messiah, they were expecting that whoever the Messiah would be would be fulfilling this scripture of taking on the the government on his shoulders and that it would be a government without end. It, It would be an eternal government. But that did not happen. So now then we could say, that the the name Jesus Christ was the name that applied to his ministry at that time. And at some point, no doubt the name Emmanuel, God is with us, began to apply. But it really seems that even the disciples did not really recognize that Jesus had this God title until after the resurrection. So we could really say that the name Emmanuel, God is with us, really became God was with us, and God is with us in prayer and in the spirit as we connect and commune with him. But still, these other five names are not really fulfilled. Because the wonderful name, and I know some people say, well, he was wonderful. And I know we could all say that. But there's more to the name than just, yes, you could call that person something. This this is an expansive thing that spreads out and covers a huge area. It's got to do with not only the personification and the personality and the characteristics, but it's got to do with the very environment of the space contained within the very broadcast of that spirit of being wonderful. So this is really talking about a different time a time in which, like the millennium, then there's counselor. And that is a name that could refer, according to how Jesus taught it, to the Holy Spirit. I must go away. For if I do not go away, I cannot send you the Comforter. And he will lead you and he will guide you into all things. He'll restore your memory, he even said. That definitely was was an action from Jesus Christ. And that definitely does assume to that name. The Mighty God, very, very similar in 
as to Emmanuel, but still not the same. Because Emmanuel means God is with us. So the mighty God is just a recognition, and this can be the mighty God that is gone away to prepare a place for us, as it describes it in the, in the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter. The mighty God that has gone away to prepare a place for us. And that to connect in to the everlasting Father, because I go away to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be also. For in my Father's house are many mansions, and there the name the everlasting Father comes in. And then there's the Prince of Peace, and that name is not going to be etched into actuality until the forces of darkness are finally put down and eradicated and put into the dark, deep hole of endless space, which is their kind of hell. Their kind meaning the, the forces of darkness. And so, <clears throat> there's another way of looking at all these names. And it's, it's a real actuality. Because we also know that there is always a parallel. There is the individual representation, and then there is the collective representation. And we'll find that as we go through these scriptures. In the collective representation, it is Christ in the people, Christ in the church, Christ in the government of the people. Christ in the multitudes, Christ in the nation. And then along with that, there is the Christ that is under these different names. So we know when we look back and we see that Christ was the rock that followed Moses in the wilderness. That there was a time chain there and a time element and the reference that happened went all of the way back to a long time ago, but to a great event of the people coming out of Israel and trying to flee to a safe place, following Moses. And the Lord was there. And he took the title, The Rock, like the Rock of Ages. I do not change. You can depend on me. I am always the same. The rock of ages. And we can we can say all those things and, and I and I've heard people say things that are a little bit similar to what I'm saying, but they have missed a very valued point. They have missed that in the sixteenth chapter of of the book of Mark it says after the resurrection, that Jesus appeared to different ones, and they didn't recognize him. They could only recognize him when by the Spirit he said something or did something that familiarized uh, the, them, themselves to know that that was Jesus. And the Scripture also says in the 16th chapter, he, Jesus, appeared to them in different forms. 
So as we look through the courses of history and into the different lands and different religions, we must be careful not to judge. We must be careful not to point our finger and say, I know this is right or I know that's not right. But some of these mythical things where whether it be the Buddha or whether it be some of these other um, religious figures through the history of time that have done some of the same acts that Jesus has been shown to do during his time on earth and that have taught things about peace and love similar to what it appears that Jesus taught. We can understand that as Jesus being manifested through different people. Because if he can be manifested so that his nature comes upon a whole nation, he can be manifested for the sake of that whole nation in an individual who has not had the opportunity like Israel has to have leaders like Moses and Joshua but are humans with souls that need an opportunity. So some of these people that we might look at and say, oh, that's false religion, that's false uh, demonic demonic person, you had better be careful not to judge. You had be better off to back up, keep your mouth shut, and just leave it alone to, to history. Because you don't know, you don't know all the insights, all the reasons You can't figure out the cross puzzle because you don't have the code words to do it. So I believe that throughout the course of history, we see Jesus appearing as an angel to Abraham. And he had the power to redeem. And and all the scholars uh, that that were anything uh, major admitted that this had to be Jesus. Someone would, in some religious land, would look at that angel and recognize that angel as divine in their language, in their foreign way of speaking it foreign to other nations. They would give that person a name. It might come under the title of Wonderful or Counselor or Prince of Peace. But I think that Jesus has been appearing in other forms throughout the course of history from Adam until now. And I think that's an ongoing thing. And the manifest teaches he is always coming and always after coming going away and then coming again. And that can easily be established in the scripture. And we just have to recognize that his spirit is here. And it comes in different forms. And in different personalities. And get off of the button that you think is the main little close to your vesture. And quit trying to think that you've got all the answers. And you've got the right 
to make a condemnation or a judgment about somebody being of God or not of God. Someone says, well, the Bible says to try the spirit. Yeah, that has nothing to do with trying the personality of the man. That has nothing to do with trying the human being. That's from the gift called the discerning of spirits. And that has to do with being able to look in to the spirit world, not to the mortal body world. And so people have been making the tragic mistake of trying to judge people by judging them according to the mortal body world when the Bible clearly teaches that that kind of judgment can only be done if you are capable, if you are qualified, if you have the gift to be able to discern the spirit. If you don't have the gift of discerning the spirits, then you are not capable to make that judgment. And you are way ahead, back off and leave it alone. I'm giving you the word of God. I'm giving you the word of God. Okay. Verse 23 said, A virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. Oh, have they ever tried to get around this? They've tried to take Greek texts and show that virgin could mean just a young lady that had never been married. You know? And, uh, and that, uh, that it didn't mean that this young lady uh, did not have uh, physical intimacy with someone. That's because people want to explain spiritual things by the normalcy of common moral happenings. And when I say moral, moral to their minds. More like common mortal happenings. Twenty-four, verse twenty-four. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took under him his wife. That is what is needed in the world today. For the Spirit of God to implant into the brains of the masses of the photo transitions of truth, and for millions and millions of people to do what the Bible says that Joseph did. He was raised from sleep. There are millions of people out there that have been spiritually asleep. And God is wanting to raise them from that sleep and bring them in to the truth. And he did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. As soon as he was raised out of his sleep, he did what the Lord had bidden him. And look at the writing here, the words. And took unto him his wife. She wasn't even his wife yet. But he claimed her as, as his wife. Because the word of the Lord had sanctioned it as a destiny. And so he said, that's my wife and I'm claiming her. And he took her. Forget the foolish rhetoric. Forget the judgment. Forget what someone's interpretation of, 
of laws may or may not be or of the judgment that people may or may not make and follow the word of the Lord and follow what the Holy Spirit is leading and don't make any judgments. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Now, sexual power is an incredible craving type of thing that you find that the human race has. And so do animals and birds. It's just something that belongs to the earthly creature. Sometimes people get an impression and they're confused with those impressions because they don't abide in the word that they were given. But here, Joseph considered that word so sacred, so delicate, so beautiful, so powerful, that he recognized he did not want to turn it into some kind of sexually intimate session and try to make something holy out of something that was already so holy on the scale of holiness that anything of that nature being added to it would have just defamed the purity and the sacredness of it. Sometimes it's a dangerous thing to think that you are so ready or so pure that you are ready to crawl in bed with the Holy Ghost. You might find yourself taking on a short life, a shortened life by your ignorant actions. Don't be too swift to put yourself up into even Stevens with what the the spoken will of God is or is not. Be very careful and wait upon the Lord because the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And that's what you've got to learn to do. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus, he fulfilled the word of the angel of the Lord. This event of pregnancy is by the Holy Ghost. Don't get in there with all your sexual intents and think that you're going to, it's all okay and, and use your biblical reasons why it's all right. But give honor and respect and dignity to the purity of this revelation. And he fulfilled every part of it. Didn't mean that God's cutting you off and says, look, this is something you can never have. Have your human uh, releases, your human sexual intimacies. God wasn't saying that. But there was something that needed to be fulfilled first. And he did that. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and there was a prophecy about being born in Bethlehem, the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he born of the king of the Jews? 
that we have seen his star in the east and we are come to worship him. We have seen his star in the east. We have showed you last week that this, what is called a star, was a star spaceship. It was a zith. And a zith can travel with such incredible speed that it's like nothing but a whoosh to be in the east or to be in the west or the north or the south. But it was in the east. And why was it in the east? Because there in the east lived these persons who were called wise men. Now it doesn't say three, but I think there is scripture in the Old Testament to show that it was three. And that number is a good dominant number for that situation. And I think that it is absolutely important to see that the connection of the starship, they were in the east because of the, the, the wise men. They were there because they knew there were wise men there that needed to know about the birth of Jesus Christ. That's why they were there. So sometimes when people are, are seeing true sightings, there's a reason. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that, that the angels are going to preach the everlasting gospel in the skies. And that's what's going on. And people need to understand, why am I seeing these flying ziths? Z-Z-I-T-H-S. Why am I seeing them? Well, there must be a reason. There must be a reason. Now, some people want to say, well, that was just a message to me, and that's all there is to it. Well, it could be that, but there's a good possibility that that is not the limit of it. Because when the wise men saw this star craft, this starship, they recognized that that was a message about an event. And they were familiar with the scriptures of the Bible and that there was going to be a birth of a Messiah. They were familiar with that. And when they saw that, they said, this is a sign to us, a message to us to go and to find the Messiah that is coming that is going to be born. They put two and two together and got four. There's so many people out there that they are so ready to clothe themselves with all the personal reasons of why an event they experience or see is just strictly to them as a blessing or just because they are so superiorly chosen. When a lot of times God's trying to tell people something. Now, there's not very many people on this planet, but there's some that really have a ministry like the Manifest Ministry. The Manifest Ministry, the Manifest Yada Ministry, is a ministry like the kind that 
would not normally even come in a thousand years. And it recognizes these starships. And it has an understanding of what they are about and where they came from. And there's very extensive detail on it. If you want a lot more detail, read that blog that went on today. www.themanifestor.com Get on there. Read that blog after this message. And I pray to God that there will be thousands and millions of people out there as they begin to see and experience real ziths will sort of have the kind of attitude like the wise men. Where is? Where is this person? Where is this messenger? Where is this person that has been birthed a ministry of this age? Where is he? We've seen this where we live in the east or in the west or in the south or the north. And we recognize that it's a message about finding. About finding the place that this ministry has been birthed. And God is speaking to you and God is speaking to millions of people out there with the, with, with the signs and the wonders of the, what they call UFOs and flying saucers. And you've got all kinds of people trying to explain how that they, they are not real. And you've got all kinds of other people out there imagining half or, or two-thirds of what they see. But you've also got people that have really seen the real thing. And they have a witness that's deep inside of them that they have seen something incredibly real, not of this world. Now they need to say, we need to go and find the min- a ministry. If you go out to these other churches and people that are lecturing, and they're telling you that to believe in UFOs and 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 flying saucers, which are called like with, we use ziths, and that that's of the devil and that's not real. Don't fellowship that kind of a place, because they are they are not an ace in the hole; they are a deadness in the hole. They got a dead spot, and they're not going anywhere. They're fulfilling the scripture that Paul said laying aside the principles of the foundations of the doctrine of Christ, let's go on to perfection. They're fulfilling those people that never go on to perfection. The Bible says there are the kind of people that keep on in a continuation of never getting over the hump, of never making progress. Because they're in a repetition of repeating the same level of beginnerness that they have been for years of their life. It's time to just get out of that crowd. It's time to back away, walk out the door, and get out there and start praying and start looking 
for a connection to something like what we are offering to people. And I say that genuinely and from the depths of my heart because I want this message to get out to millions and millions of people. And I believe that is God's plan, and I believe that it will happen. And God spoke to us through the holy manifest revelation and said, In the beginning, when this holy manifest begins to be taught, it will seem like a very slow rising tide. But then suddenly one day, you will look and you will see that the tide has risen very high and that the holy manifest word is all over in many, many places on earth. I know that. I believe that. And I pray right now for all those people out there that are seeing the real thing. That they'll be like these wise men. They'll understand there's a message here. There is something that God is saying. He's telling us to start looking. He's telling us to find. There's a birthing that is happening. There's a prophetic word of God that is happening. There's a place of, of wisdom. There's a place of knowledge. There's a place of insight that we are to find so that we can learn the truth about these visitors from outer space, who they are, why they are here, and where they came from. I pray, and I hope that you will pray, that millions of people will begin to look at this and see it as, as this story of the wise men. Where is he? that is born the king of the Jews. Jesus is coming in different people. He's bringing his message through different vessels. The Bible says, Thy dead men shall rise with my dead body. They shall rise with my dead body. And they're going to go forth and minister. This is, there's, a, there's a rising that the Bible predicts will happen. This dead body of Jesus is a body that has overcome the world. He's dead to all the lust and the evil. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Praise God. And so, when Herod the king, verse 3, had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And he gathered his chief priests and his scribes and the people together and demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said, well, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophets. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Now you see the connection of the word governor. See, he was a governor potential. But he never fulfilled that as far as actually ruling in the physical sense. In the spiritual level, yes. But God always brings people through the parallel walls, through the parallel portals, so that they, they connect to both the parallels, the physical and the spiritual, and they complete the circuit. And that will happen. That will surely happen. 
And, he, and, he, and shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Oh, Herod would not like that. Nor would he think that Rome would like it. And he privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. See, he's beginning to get scientific about it. He's approaching this from a scientific standpoint. And he sent them to Bethlehem. Them must be in these, these scribes and chief priests and you know various people that he was demanding of where Christ should be born. He sent them, go and search diligently for the young child. Now this is not someone that's really interested to join the ministry. <coughs> you, you have to understand that sometimes when you are ministering to someone and they just are rejecting what you have to say and they're doing it in a way that cuts you off, be sure that you're following the, the will of God. Be sure that, that it's the right time. The Bible says, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. There's a time, you know, for all people. Because sometimes if you try to force the issue and open a door that's been closed, you can open a door that will, that will bring in the, 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 the contra spirit, the counter spirit. And Herod, you would think, would be, you know, a person who was emphatically interested in a spiritual way, the way he instructed these people. You know, he says, you know, he told them privately. You see, he understood to keep things as a secret. A lot of Christians have no, no understanding of keeping things confidential. And, and after he had inquired diligently about the time, he sent them to Bethlehem. Now, this also included the wise men. And said, go and search diligently. Diligently. Now you see how he as the king used these kind of words. Or those kind of words, however you like to put it. There's people out there that would diligently do a thing to bring about what they believe. His belief was, if this is somebody that's going to get involved in the government... Let's kill him now while he's just a child so we don't have to, to raise an army against his followers. And that was Herod's idea. And diligent and find the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may, may come and worship him also. And we know from the scripture that at no time was Herod ever interested in worshiping this child. He wanted that information. And of course, God revealed that to the wise men. He warned them to flee. And they, instead of going back the way they came, they went a different direction. And they got out of there once they had finished uh, their, their uh, message and journey of sharing uh, with, uh, with Jesus and his parents. And when... They heard the, the, heard the king, and when, the, and when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over the, where the young child was. That could not be a star star. That was a star ship, because a star star could not do what it just described here. 
And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. People need to be rejoicing with exceedingly great joy at the fact that God is fulfilling his word and the angels, by signs and wonders, are preaching the everlasting gospel in the skies of the earth, all over the world, in different countries all over the world. There's a message going on to the world, and, and you know they are confused. They don't know what it means because they are not seeking it with the right kind of a heart and with the right kind of questions and the right kind of a quest. And so you're listening here today, and God is speaking to you today. Don't take this lightly. These things that are happening all over the world are, are about this message of the manifest revelation. They totally connect into it. My family has seen dozens and dozens and dozens of Ziths in the daytime, in the nighttime. One even came down on our property in Indiana. It's not a maybe and if some wispy, thin, wafery thing that is just a maybe. We're here ministering this word because we know that God has been visiting us. One time when I was sitting in the house and this orange kind of a light came all the way through the back door and all the way up into uh, close to the living room. And I saw that and I thought, oh, something's going on. And I got up and I walked out that back door and the whole yard was lit with that that orange. And there was these uh, rooms that were sort of like where you change your shoes, but they were very, very nice. And and they were pretty good size. And they jutted out from the this big building where we were at. And uh, I thought, I'm going to go around to the side, the opposite side from where the sun would be, and look to see if that orange was all the way, even in the corner, where it was being blocked by this jutted out building addition, and which and should be blocking any kind of light. Because if it's there, there, then I will know this is a divine message from God. And I went around, I looked at it, and yes, lo and behold, it was all the way around that building. It had nothing to do with the sun. It had to do with a message from God. Shortly after that, there was flights of this in formations. And we set out on the porch, several of us, and watched these flights go over. It was, it was absolutely an amazing experience. Someone says, what's that got to do with the birth of Jesus? You don't know after I just got through explaining this thing about the star? And that it was a zith? And that it could not have been a star star? It had to be a, a star ship? then you need to replay, replay this teaching back maybe a half a dozen or more times until the message clarifies in your mind. Blessed be the name of God. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. 
This is a time of rejoicing that God is telling us, hey, children of God, our angels, our guardians, they're all over the earth. They're, they're, covered, they're in the skies everywhere. They're preaching the gospel. This is an incredible time, ladies and gentlemen. Incredible time. And when they were coming to the house, now obviously this is a little bit up the road when they found some time has gone by. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, when you look at the volume of something on a, on a can or a, a box or a bottle, the first word that is put up there usually determines the largest quantity. So if it says sugar, well, you know, there's more sugar than there is some of the spices that follow or, or some of the ingredients that follow. Well, in this case, they opened their treasures and they presented unto him gifts and gold is at the top. Now, I want you to know these, part of the mission of these, these men of God, these wise men, was to finance Joseph and Mary and Jesus, to give finance to them. That was... That was one of the main missions that they were given by this flying vehicle from God of which they recognized there's a message there. We're to find the Messiah. And then there obviously was more revelation. And you need to take to him and the family financial support. They did not know that Herod would turn on them and they would have to flee to Egypt. It takes money to do that. They may not have, you know, have had even animals for the trip that were young enough to make a trip like that across the desert. They would need, you know, containers to hold water. They would need food supplies they would need money to, to uh, carry them through while they were in uh, Egypt. Uh, they would have to stay there till Herod died. They would have to be able to get by. It's a foreign nation. They may not be, he may not be able to, to do his, his um, you know, kind of, of, of work in that place because you know, different nations uh, use different kinds of furnishings. And so this is very interesting. They furnished them. At the top of the list was with gold. They furnished him with gold. Wow. I think that's really incredible. I think that's actually is beautiful. You know, just let's just let's just look at this again. Let's just look at a little a little more carefully. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young uh, child with Mary, 
They, they didn't just come in and say, hey, here, let me give this to you. They already had an understanding for recognition of what the child looked like. God had already revealed that through their communication, through their experience, so that they knew what Jesus would look like when they saw him and what Mary would look like. And they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped. And that's a big thing. That's a big act. And when they had opened their treasures, not just treasure, but treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Wow. And frankincense and myrrh in Egypt would be worth a lot of money. That's a product. They were furnished with product to sell. They could set up on the road, catch the caravans, and sell this product. They had to have several horses or camels or, 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 or donkey asses to be able to cover this. And they had to move fast. They had to have this money and bam, make, make fast moves and get out of there before Herod found them and tried to kill them all. And being warned of God in a dream, here it goes, that they should not return to Herod, this is the wise men, they departed to their own country another way. And when they were parted, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there till I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed unto Egypt. Wow. And he was there until Herod died. Wow. And then we know the story. We talked about it, how that Herod began to kill all the young children, two years old and under, in Bethlehem and in the coast around about, hoping to still be able to find the Christ child, if they had not received this message from God, the Christ child and probably mother and father would have been killed. And they begin to cover, kill others. Now, out of this revelation came one of the most incredible revelations that can ever even be imagined by most Christians. And I, I shared this with you last week, in which when all these young children were killed, God spoke to the to to them, uh, you know, in Rama when there was a voice of, of 18th verse of of heard of lamentation and weeping and great mourning, and Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they were killed. They they were not anymore. They were dead. It's a horrible experience. But when you read the rest of the story in Jeremiah 31.15, this scripture I just read in Rama, and the rest of it, it tells that though, stop weeping, stop crying, because God is going to bring those children again. And he's going to bring them back eventually to Israel. But first, he's, they're going to be born in the land of the enemy, which was Rome. And that's so incredible because they were going to have Roman citizenship. And and that would last for, you know, the Roman Empire was lasted a thousand years. And so 
a Roman citizen could go anywhere. And, and they were free from having to worry about being persecuted by the, by the Roman army because they were citizens. What a brilliant thing. God knows what to do. And it tells that story. And so this thing about regeneration taught by the manifest teachings was right there, right in the beginning of the revelation of the birth of Jesus Christ. It was taught right then. You get onto that Jeremiah 31, 31.15, and really read it, really read it deeply and see what we're talking about. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Now, we want to talk about some very other important things. You know, the body of man is like a vehicle in which the spirit can be transported. There's a forward resolution of the mind that can motivate and perpetuate the being, the human being, and these human bodies are live houses that are generated by living cell life. And there's a message in all of that. And it's, it's not a minor mode to, to understand the revelation of coming in to such a revelation. Now, if we're going to really get into this thing of understanding the virgin birth, we need to understand some scriptural type of things about the body, the spirit, and some of the things that go on. We know that things like the body and the spirit are really important. In Jude 9, it talks about two top archangels disputing over the body of Moses that was supposed to be dead. Why were they disputing it? There's something far more vast, far more important than it's just a stem of straw. There's something here very important. We begin to wonder when we, we discover that there are dinosaurs, millions of years, supposedly millions of years old, that they are finding capability to discover DNA still potentially active in certain parts where there is some substance in the bone or close within the bone that is not just totally dematerialized of, of the possibility of, of bringing out the DNA. We know there are people in, the, in, in Jude 8 and 2 Peter 2.10 that are called dignitaries. And in the manifest, we've explained that these are, these are overcomer persons, persons who have overcome, and they were once in a human body, and they have overcome, and 
they come back to minister. And I want to share with you this very, very important thing because, you know, there's so much that goes on. It's so very important. Now, John was frequently, you know, having angels reveal things to him. And in the 22nd chapter of John, and there's at least two other places in, the, in Revelations that it mentions similar situation. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard, heard and seen, I fell, fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then said he, the angel, unto me, See that thou do it not, for I am of thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, Worship God. Here was someone who had been was a former prophet that had was being used. This wasn't an angel angel like a cherubim or a seraphim who had never fallen. This was a ophanim who had fallen and then had overcome overcome and become an elect angel. Not yet able to be totally restored to its original status, but had reached a high level of overcoming, ready and prior to being able to receive that full status, which the Bible teaches that now we are a little lower than the angels. But the Bible tells us in the, in the New Testament, but then we will become equal with the angels. Now, what's it talking about? Equal to seraphims, the cherubims? It's talking about equal to the angelship that we had before the fall. We're lower, we're a little lower, but we're going to become equal. And so these people that this one particular person had, had been a prophet, and when he saw that John started to worship him, he says, no, 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 you don't understand what's going on here. I'm not one of the regular kind of angels, like a cherubim or a seraphim. I'm just another person like you. And John would look at him and say, well, see, that can't be. You, you're, you're different. I mean, you look more like an angel than, than you look like, like we humans. The manifest says, that which you see is not that which is. That which you see is that which is not. That's such an important verse. We have to be so careful to not think that we are seeing something that is explaining how it really is. Eyes can deceive you. Your mind can deceive you. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, O wicked heart, why have you deceived me? The heart is wicked. It can be good too, but it can be very wicked and it can be very deceptive. The Bible says you can be given to strong delusions to believe a lie and, and be under damnation. And this angel that looked enough like an angel, but he was an elect angel. But he says, I'm not what I look like. I'm not what you think, John. I'm one of the brethren. I'm one of you humans. I'm one of the prophets. I was a prophet back in 
olden times. And now I've come back, I'm a dignitary. Now we begin to see that this world about going and coming and spirit transition is very intense and very involved. And it's not just some minor deluded tiff of information, but it's very deep and profound and pronounced. Wow. Okay. We've got to move on. There's just so many things. Just to remind you of the, some of the things that we've preached over the time. You know? Moses shared his spirit. God took the spirit that was upon him and shared it with 70 of the elders. Numbers eleven sixteen through 29. Numbers eleven sixteen through 29. We've ministered on this. We've preached on this. We've shared this with you. Elijah, 2 Kings 2, 9 through 14. Elijah had an accomplished, uh, a person that accompanied him by the name Elisha. And he kept trying to get Elisha to go into town or go do something. And Elisha says, no. I know as well as the, the school of the prophet people know that you are due to ascend. I mean, these whole school of the prophet. And Elisha knew that there was coming a chariot of God to come and take Elijah away. It was common knowledge with the school of the prophets and with Elisha. They knew it. How could they possibly have that kind of information? That's way, 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 way back in time. Do you not think that that's still going on to this day and age? That there is communication between God's people and these angels? Just like John was receiving from angel elect. Throughout the whole Bible, angels have been involved in instructing people, in going before them and protecting and guarding them. We got to get this picture clear. We got to get it straight. Are we going to miss the whole ship? The gospel ship is wanting to sail. It's got a bounty on it, full of good things. And so Elisha said, I'm not leaving you. I'm not going, no matter what you ask. I'm going to be with you. And then Elijah came to the river, and he took his, his mantle, and he struck the river with it, and the, it parted. Now, if you can believe a story like that, and you believe and say, well, I think that really happened. Well, I just think that's... Uh, you know, just sort of a something a story stretch, you know. It's just uh just stretched. Depends where you're at. If you look at that and you say, The Bible says it and I believe it. I believe that when Elijah struck the waters, they they got a message. There was a, an intelligent message in his actions that responded to all the molecules and all the atoms, and they rolled back. Wow, what a force that would be. 
And Elijah and Elisha walked across the river dry. That happened back with Moses and all the people of Israel. All right, let's go on. We've got to move. got a lot to cover here. And so, what am I trying to lay a, a, a groundwork for you? What, I'm trying to lay a provision for you to, to get into the understanding of what I want to say before I finish out this message. We've got to understand from a spiritual ground, ground point. And so when he got to the other side of the river, Elisha said to Elijah, I, 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 want, I have a request. And Elijah said, all right, ask me, ask me your request. And he says, I want a double portion of your spirit. Who would have even thought of such a thing? He didn't say, well, I want to be able to do twice the miracles that you've done. I want to be as smart as you are. I want to be as religious as you are. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He was talking a language that the common guy living on the earth at that time did not have. By the same token, he had an understanding that the chariot of, chariots of God were coming. They had an understanding. And that's why miracles could happen. And Elijah said, what you have asked is a very difficult thing. But if you see me when I leave, then your request will be granted. Now, why was that the case? You see me when I leave, it will be granted. If he could see with his eyes the literal chariots of God, the Ziths, coming and picking up Elijah and actually see that and have that impression be indelibly imprinted into his mind and into every atom and molecule of his body, then he could ha have granted to him his desire to have a double portion, which that understanding was incredible for Elisha to have had. A double portion of Elijah's spirit. How do you take a double portion from someone away and have that? And pass it on to another person. Like Moses passed on to 70 people. God had told him to do that. God revealed to him that was possible. There are so many things people do not know is possible. Wow. Wow. And you know what? Elijah did see. He says, oh my God. My Lord the chariots of fire, and the horsemen thereof. He saw them. He saw the pilots. He saw the ship. He saw the speed with which it traveled. And so down out of the sky came the mantle. And he picked it up, and the first thing he did is walk over to that river and smite the river, and it went sideways and the the people of the school of the prophets they recognized they understood this kind of thing that the spirit of elijah had come upon the spirit of elisha all right
right. Now, turn with me to um, Ephesians, or pardon me, let's make that uh, Hebrew 7, verse 6, chapter 7, verse 6 of Hebrew. In Hebrews 7, verse 6, and speaking of Melchizedek, but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham. That meant he was superior to Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. There it is. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he received them of whom it is written, whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I may so say, Levi, who was not yet born, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So when Melchizedek met, when Melchizedek met with Abraham, Abraham met with Melchizedek. And Abraham paid tithes. He did it not just for himself. He did it not just for children that he had living. Because how could he even imagine anybody else? How many people ever think about that? How many people ever think about, you know, about people that you are to meet that, that are going to be so important to you? Or children that are to be born that are going to be absolutely a design of destiny? How many people even think of those things? But when he paid that tithe to Melchizedek, he was involved in an act of deferred progenity. Here was an entity by the name of Levi, which encapsulates the whole futuristic plan tied into Moses of the Levitical tribe which was going to be the ones involved with all the religious activities of the whole uh, group of the tribes of Israel. And it was credited to Levi, even though his, he was not yet born. So obviously, even though he did not have a body, he had a spirit that existed that was identified to a destiny years and years and years before he was to be born. Years and years and years before he was to be born, he had a destiny to come and be born. And to come and be born through a man called Abraham. And to have a name called Levi. And to have all the destiny that goes with that name. His spirit had that. His spirit had that. We have to begin to understand when we start talking about the, the virgin birth. And, and a spirit coming to, to Mary that we call Jesus, but there's many other names that also apply to Jesus. Because, as it said in the 16th chapter of Mark, he appeared unto them in other forms. <clears throat> wow. So we begin to understand, ladies and gentlemen, 
when something like that is coming into being, it's deep. It's deep. It's real. I pray every day for the dead, dead that uh, that people that in the family or that are, are other people that I've that God has allowed me to have their names, and I have quite a list. And every day I pray for those dead people for their spirits. Someone says, "Oh, well, I don't think that's Bible." Well, it is. In the Book of Corinthians, it talks about baptisms for the dead. And then Jesus believed in it. There are several instances in which Jesus prayed for the dead. They had already been dead. Jesus prayed for a man, if you remember, who was mummified and buried in a cave and already was reached a point where he stunk. That means rigor mortis was already setting in. He was dead. And Jesus went and revitalized the spirit of that man to come back to the body that he healed all within the context of come forth, Lazarus. Because come forth meant an enabling of his restoration of life and healing of his body, of any disease and of any uh, rigor mortis corruption that had set in. He prayed for the dead. There's several people he raised from the dead. He prayed for the dead. Jesus, after the crucifixion, resurrection thing, went down, it says in, in Peter, and preached to the people who were sometimes disobedient during the, the flood <coughs> and who were in spirit prison. And he preached to them. And by preaching to them, he revitalized hope. He didn't go down and say, well, you know, you got what you deserve. You've been disobedient, and I just come to tell you, you're getting what you deserve. No, no. He came down there with hope and salvation and forgiveness and opportunity. And, and you can be sure that those people were set free. And they were liberated. He prayed for the dead. Now we have Adam, and there was no living human body. He checked all the, the animal animals and all of the, the, the humans that were, you know, pre-Adamic and did not have souls. They had spirits and they had body souls, but they did not have capital S souls. They don't have capital souls, spirit souls. <coughs> and there wasn't one single solitary person out there that could qualify for the kind of life that the angels and that, that, that Adam would be interested in because he had been taught lattice structure. So that by the lattice, he was able to name all those animals according to the lattice understanding. And he never saw one woman out there that fit the lattice. So he caused, God caused there to be a, 
a birthing happened inside of Adam. And Adam, from out of Adam, DNA was taken. And a woman was born who the angels took and raised and then later that woman became the wife of Adam. And I'm not don't have the time to do the real full extensive teaching with all the scriptures. <clears throat> Turn with me to Isaiah seven. Isaiah seven. We we can see with all these different names of Jesus and how the, the fulfillment of the life of Jesus wasn't done just in one lifetime, it was done in many lifetimes, going back over the ages of time, back to, to Egypt, back to the road from Egypt, through the desert. Okay, here we are, chapter 7. And here's what it says. And moreover, the Lord spake, and this is verse 10, Again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But I, Ahaz, Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, and this is the prophet, Hear you now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to, you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, we see the possibility here too that Joseph, obeying the angel, called his son Jesus Mary, obeying something that she understood deeply and believed, called her son Emmanuel. Nevertheless, it was relevant to be in two different kinds of life. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse evil and choose the good. That sounds more like John the Baptist than it does Jesus, the way it talked about how that people saw him the way he ate, that they called him a glutton and a wine-bibber. And before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorreth shall be forsaken of both her kings. And the Lord shall bring upon thee and upon thy people and upon thy father's house days that have not come from the day of Ephraim, departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria. Okay, now that's one episode about a virgin birth. Chapter 8, Moreover, the Lord said unto me, this is Isaiah, Take thee a great roll and write in it with a man's pen concerning Meher Sha'al Hashbash. And I took unto me 
faithful witnesses to record Uriah the priest, Zechariah the son of Jeberishiah. And I went into the prophetess, and she conceived and bare a son. Then the Lord then said the Lord to me, Call his name Mahashahabashis, Bahashbash. For behold the child shall have knowledge for before the child shall have knowledge to cry, My father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria, shall be taken away before the king of Assyria. And the Lord spake to me again, saying, For as much as this people refuses the waters of Shiloh, that go softly and rejoice in Rim in Rizin and Rimaliah's son, now therefore behold the Lord bringeth upon them the waters of the river strong and many, even the king of Assyria. Verse 8, And he shall pass through Judah, the king of Assyria, shall overflow and, and, and go over. He shall reach even to Menechah, stretching out of the wings, and shall fill, fill the breath of thy land, O Emmanuel. Now we have two births here. One is like a virgin, but the other is represented as a fulfillment of the same virgin promise. But now we have this prophet writing this big scroll, recording this, going out and getting these top officials to come in and witness him, having a personal intimate session with this prophetess that it doesn't even say that she was his wife, and recording it so that the prophecy that was given over the virgin experience is going to also happen and double in on this experience that's under the title of the virgin but is actually involved with an intimate session of the prophet. And they have a child, and he says, before that child can cry, my father and my mother, the riches of Damascus, this whole thing, especially about the two kings, which it told about in the first episode, which kings it mentions here, by name, reason and Rimaliah, that they would be overwhelmed and defeated by an invasion of the Assyrian army who come in such a flood of people that it's described as, as a river, which is another manifest term that explains that the use of water and rivers can represent people. What do we have going on here? Well, there's a duality. There's a duality happening. And Isaiah is initiating something that is about a time that is not the time of Jesus' birth. This is a different time. This is a virgin that is to be born. But then there's also this offspring of Isaiah, or maybe not an offspring of Isaiah. Maybe <coughs> a transport into the prophetess. 
and Isaiah is only working, is only going through an action as a prop, presenting an act of symbolism to represent the fulfillment of these two virgin acts. Wow. Wow. We have to be so careful when we begin to understand this thing of the virgin birth. It has a deep essence to it. The bills toll and ring very deeply. It's not a minor, simple thing. It is of a major nature. An absolutely major nature. There are things that people do not understand. Like in Malachi 2.15, it talks about the residue of the Spirit. And in Malachi 3.1, it uses the same name for angel, but instead of the translators translating it into, into angel, they translate it to messenger because messenger, as you know, can mean angel. And so they don't want to call this messenger of the covenant an angel because they don't think in terms of this Lord being an angel. So the translators have a problem and so they, instead of translating this word that is most time, most oftentimes translated as, as angel, or pardon me, as messenger, or no, let me get it straight, is most often translated as angel, they translate as messenger. And that's in Malachi 3.1. And let me just take a real fast uh, uh, jiffy over here and uh, just, just um, you know, share that with you in, in uh, the fullest sense. Because uh, this is, is quite amazing. It's just absolutely quite amazing as we begin to get into all these corners and curves and we really begin to see uh, where, this is, where this is coming from, you know, uh, in, in the book of Malachi. Okay. So the book of Malachi is way to the end of the, almost to the, of the old uh, uh, scripture. And we look at... Um, at chapter 2 and verse 1. I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. Obviously, the Lord who's going to come to, to his temple is called a messenger, but it's the Lord, but the real interpretation is angel. So the Lord is an angel, which goes along with Thessalonians when it says the Lord himself shall give the sound of an archangel. And they've missed the whole incredible revelation of the angel and what that means as far as the ophanims and as far as the the, the different lords of hosts that the Bible is full of explaining because they change a word due to not having any recognition of the meaning or the insight to the meaning. So we've got all these parallel situations. 
In Zechariah 12.1, it says that the spirit of a man is formed within him. Zechariah 12.1. And people that are so decided and definite about, oh, it's, we're, we're going to live on earth. We're not going off to this other planet you call the Father's house, described in the 14th chapter of Zechariah. <laughs> well, don't be too sure. In Isaiah 66.1, it says that the earth is the footstool. The earth is the footstool. It is not where the main part of the body is. It's the footstool. And that's just a temporary thing. That's not even part of the body. It's just a stool to rest the feet. A change. In the 66th chapter 7 through 9, it says, Before she travailed, she brought forth. And then if you read down a little bit further, the 65 into 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 uh, a later verse it said first it said before she travailed then it says after she travailed she brought forth so you got the one that travailed that brought forth you got the one that did not travail that brought forth the parallel the parallel one is physical one is spiritual they both are going to happen Sometimes even the spiritual can also be physical and there still be another physical. As we start looking into these, these you know, these version expressions, we begin to re- read like in the, in the New Testament, and I'm going to have to bring this to a close. In the New Testament, it says that people that have, that have lost their virginity, that they can be healed and be returned to being virgins. Now, that would not seem possible. But with God, all things are possible. So the needle's eye and the miracle of being able to go through the needle's eye is real to God's people. There is oh so much more. I only got into just a very small portion of this message. I will pray about whether I am to finish it before I go back into the teaching of the book of the Seven Thunders. I'll not decide right now. But ladies and gentlemen, pray for the manifest ministry. Pray that the wise men that didn't have to be advertised to, that didn't have to be spoken to, that just knew by God to to finance the ministry of Jesus and of Joseph and of Mary that there will be people coming to those kind of understandings for the people of God that are that are trying to do full-time work pray for that that God will make it real to people And if people can understand that even, I thank God for some of these people, like I've got a brother that gives $10 every week. Bless him, God bless him and his family. It's so neat to have a regular amount coming in. Doesn't have to be the largest and the biggest. That would be nice, but even just enough people 
paying 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 dollars i hate to mention money but you know if i don't then what i'm praying that god is going to manifest some of these people he's going to manifest them like these wise men god's testing how wise you are to think about these things to be aware of these things I want you to go and read that blog that I wrote. You will be affected by that blog. You will not be the same. Now, while this battle of him of the Republic is being played by Janet, let me pray. Heavenly Father, our Father which art in heaven, our Father which art in Artura, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is there. Our Father, Father of lights and Father of spirits, reveal to your people this day this word and cause it to be magnified and multiplied, cause it to grow in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And reach out, O God, into these people who are sick in body, sick in mind. Heal them, deliver them. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Happy New Year Day. God bless you. We love you.